0: On today's show, we have Alina Sinel-Nakova, the CEO of Midas. We're going to discuss details about the project, funding, team, and token, along with any plans on the roadmap. Midas is building an easy-to-use, highly scalable, low-cost, and fully functional Layer 2 framework to fully support the application and business migration from Web 2 to Web 3. Alina, please start by giving us some information about your background, please.
1: Thank you, Joe. Uh, thank you for having me today. My name is Alina again. And yes, I'm CEO of Amitis, uh, um, So Amitis is the layer two network with the focusing on the decentralized autonomous companies. So my background is I came from software development. This is my degree. I have a software development degree and I've been involved into work with the governments, with the different governments and law enforcement as well, planning their architecture, the software architecture. So all the applications that right now, for example, police in Canada has in the cars. So this is something that I developed. Yes, and I came into blockchain space, well, relatively recently, which was like about six years ago. And uh, yes, I was because I was fascinated with it, and started CryptoChicks, uh, non-profit organization together with my friend Natalia Anolin, and we developed it to the way that right now we have uh, education and program in fifty-six countries while we were having fun at the CryptoChicks, one of our lines of businesses is the CryptoChicks Couch as an incubator. And the idea of Metis came from that incubator. That's where I met my future co-founders of Metis, Kevin and Yuan. And uh, yes, so, so together we formed that. The idea was simple. The idea was to basically onboard everyone on the blockchain. It's a blockchain must... <laughs> Mass adoption, this is probably the ultimate goal of all, well, I cannot say all, but majority of the blockchain projects nowadays. So we would like to make blockchain accessible and easy to build on, and easy to connect with for just the people that are outside of this blockchain world. And that's what uh, Miti's mandate is, to develop a decentralized platform accessible for everyone.
0: So what were the, I guess, bottlenecks you saw at the time that prompted you to start?
1: Lots of startups that came to our cryptic hatchery, they were struggling on finding good blockchain developers. And that was like a, the bottleneck that probably for them and also the funding, right? So the funding, knowledge, the developers, uh, so everything that you know was stopping them from developing fast so developing the easy to use platform that would these startups could just you know jump on and integrate without much coding so that's something that we wanted to do from the beginning so that's what prompted us to create that and also the one that would be fast and easy to use because right now, blockchain, if you use the, if you tried it, and I tried many of those before, you know, you just uh, hang in there uh, until your transaction is completed and you never know, you have to check with the, you know, Etherscan, you know, or other explorers that it's actually done. So like, for people that are not really blockchain savvy, it's really difficult. So that's why we wanted to create a platform that would be easy. It was just you know, a couple of clicks of the buttons and they would do transaction right away. And it would be cheap as well with you need to pick hundred dollars per transactions. And at the same time, it would be secure. Like everything, everything, everything we want to have, but just in one platform. And that's what we wanted to build. And that's we're succeeding in that right now.
0: So, over the last year, obviously, we've seen a lot of uh, TVL and users migrate all around to different solutions, different blockchains, trying to figure out what ultimately can hold the capacity and maintain lower transaction fees. So, what is it that you guys are actually doing to implement lower fees?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, the base of this solution is the optimistic rollup. And we initially we were looking for the solution that was around just to you know hop on and we couldn't find the one that we can actually just uh, you know implement out of the box. But we took optimism base code. So and this is something that we're very very grateful to Optimism team to you know lead in that effort because we starting it from scratch would be of course would take us longer. We also modernized it to make it more scalable. So we added multi chain and multi VM for the better scalability. So all projects would not be on one chain, but they actually the chains would roll out as new projects and new load is added to the network to protect the network from the failures from just the overload failures. So this is one thing that we did. So we also have a decentralization in our roadmap. it means that NITIS is already decentralized in a way that nobody controls the transactions so this is layer two and this is an optimistic rollup solution but we have even further decentralization in our roadmap. Uh, so what is optimistic rollup is about is uh, first in transactions in batches. It posts transactions in one batch and all the fees, one huge fee on the Ethereum network gets split between all the transactions. So that's why uh, the transaction fee is way lower. Of course, it's 100 times lower than on uh, layer one. Also, with optimistic rollups, then there is a problem, right? So you cannot roll as many transactions because you don't have this capability in a, in a modern technology. And this is something that we're developing. We're developing a decentralized storage, which will allow us to roll in uh, hundreds of thousands transactions in one batch. So therefore lowering fees even more. So right now our fees like in dollars, so it's a couple of dollars. So after we finished with that solution in 2022, so we estimated a couple of cents. And that's like, we continue to, to lower in the fees that way, uh, developing this technology.
0: Can you break down a little bit, like maybe what the difference is between Optimistic and ZK mm-hmm. roll-ups so people can have an understanding?
1: It's different in the way they post transactions. For example, Optimistic roll-up, they need one week of the waiting period until there's the fraud proofers. So for example, when I post the transactions, decentralization requires everybody that is on layer one network could actually prove that we're wrong, right? So this is some, you know, fraudulent transactions or something that layer two posted is wrong. And then uh, this seven weeks waiting period has to be there until actually money could be withdrawn from this, you know, posted transactions. And with ZK, it's actually easier, but the ZKs are... Uh, so they don't post the transaction, they just post the proof of the transactions, right? So that's in some what, of course, it's easier and then it doesn't require the seven-day waiting period, but it's way harder to develop and as well this EVM compatibility that everybody is wanting for, especially to transition to layer 1. So if, you, if your application on the layer 1, if you want to transition to layer 2, you have to have the EVM compatibility or EVM equivalent, so you don't need to make any changes to your application. So if you have to, you know, make changes, it's already not as high value, right? So that's why you know we chose Optimistic Rollout because right now we're completely EVM equivalent, and there's at the beginning we ha- even had an integration team to help projects to integrate. We found that we don't need that because it's just it's one to one. It takes one hour to port. The code you just need to make changes to the front end, and that's it. So you don't even need to change any of the smart contracts to in order to migrate to meetings. Uh Yeah, so that's that's the difference between Optimistics and zk, and that's why we chose Optimistic rollup. So as the zk rollups getting developed, though, I, you know, I see the opportunity. So how they maybe also become usable, like in a hopefully VM compatible in the future as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to see how this technology develops.
0: In the future, I guess a the user, they will never really know when they're going through the experience of whether they're on uh, layer one or layer two per se, but maybe the fees are going to be a lot cheaper. Are they giving up anything from a security standpoint or what is the user supposed to be aware of?
1: Uh, that's uh, that's another major point, you know, that people probably don't even pay attention when they are sacrificing their low fees. But for example, in some networks, uh, side chains, they are enjoying a low fees without much consideration for actually security downsides. And for those chains that are prone to... 51% attack, for example, or whether a restricted number of the nodes or the key holders into that network, the funds are at potential risk. It's like, I'm not saying that, you know, they will be 100% of the risk, but considering, you know, the blockchain world, yes, they are at the potential risk of losing their money. But uh, unfortunately, people, as you see, like as long as it's fast and cheap, they don't consider that much of this, you know, of this risks, but. When something's gonna happen, they will, right? So they will understand and they will pay attention to it. Until then, yes, Uh, so optimistic roll-up and that's why we go with optimistic roll-up. And here it's Ethereum security and that's why the seven day waiting period is also for the decentralization and security. And the decentralization is probably the ultimate security of the, in our world of the funds where, for example, regulators, you know, approach some of the networks and some of the networks can get shut down because of that. So this is never going to happen in a decentralized world and like for the decentralized networks. So it's, it's just impossible to do it in a way for the decentralized ones. So therefore, optimistic roll-up that inherits Ethereum security and Ethereum decentralization is that's what we selected.
0: So at the seven-day wait period, is there any use cases that maybe would not be a fit for transactional-wise for them to use this type of layer two?
1: Absolutely, because seven days period is probably not very practical. So that's why we're also approaching that. So we're developing our rangers system this is also something that we already started and this is in our roadmap so rangers are the paid fraud proofers. so basically they are they're not the validators they're exactly the opposite right so they need to find the faults right and they are paid for that but they also stake in order for them to actually earn money they need to stake money to post the fraud proof and if their fraud proof comes through it's good then of course they get the money but if this fraud proof is eventually that validate is not correct, then they lose money, right? So they are kind of like incentivized and completely decentralized. Anyone can be the ranger in that sense, right? So yes, so it's not getting you know chosen by any anything. It just needs to stake. You just see your stake has to be adequate. And of course, all in the ranger's hands to actually speed up this seven-day process. So as uh, we will be onboarding rangers, this seven-day process uh, going to be becoming just hours, not days. So and then become way more practical.
0: Now, does it seem like this is pretty similar to paying a bounty in tech in general, where you pay out a fee for finding a bug, and that's kind of is that kind of a similar process here?
1: Very similar, yes, yes. Like proofers are very, very similar process. Like except, uh, yeah, it's all you know decentralized, and except the bounties you don't stake upfront, but for the proofer you stake upfront.
0: Okay. So I want to go into a little bit about the team itself, obviously. Everyone always wants to know who's who's behind the whole team besides yourself.
1: All right, so uh, yes. So it's my uh, co-founders, Kevin Liu and Yuan Su. So Yuan, he's our CTO, but he's he started uh, developing FH6, I believe. So he's kind of like a young genius. And he was the one in the former team developing this IBM Hyperledger. So he has quite a lot of experience in that. Kevin came from mobile applications world. And so his applications, the ones that he led and developed, uh, got, you know, 150 million downloads. So that's the last one that he actually done and sold. Yeah, so they, they have quite you know diverse experience as well. So Kevin is the one that uh, founded also Token Economic Institute in the past. This is the founding team who has also, and, and then myself, of course, because I have the experience with CryptoChicks and also other startups that CryptoChicks grew. So these are the founding team. Beside the founding team, we have actually for now over 40 people that work at MITIS in uh, completely in the different countries. If you go to MITIS.io slash company, you can see all those people in, uh, in our company profile. Not all the people, because uh, we have people in some countries, for example, China, that, you know, has like really, really st- like tough and strict regulations. And we cannot even put them on the website, unfortunately. But yeah, so our team is, is uh, big and wide. And uh, yes, we, we are almost in every country of the world.
0: So did you guys uh, initially raise capital from any VCs or how did you go about that?
1: Yes, we, as a normal company, yes, we did. We had to, we self-funded for a couple of years. And then, uh, yes, we also had the angel investments and we raised money from VCs. You also can find our VCs on our website. It is.io slash company. So they are there. uh, So we... Also, did the IDO, but IDO was more just like for the marketing purposes, it's not for the fundraising purposes. So, we did a pretty small one. And uh, yeah, since then, we did a, our IDO. Oh, and I forgot the dates are so probably in May, in May 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, since then we've been growing and we've, we've been building and in November 2021 we launched our main net and since then our TVL grew to 500, like 500 million is only in eight weeks because we now have actually drowned with the requests from projects that want to come on meetings. So we right now is optimizing our partnership pipeline to better manage all the projects because we are helping those projects, not only because integrated media is, again, one hour, but we're helping those projects with the strategies and with the marketing as well. So that's why for us, it's a lot of work. How we grow is in this, in our partner projects, and we put in our time and funds into these projects as well.
0: So who do you see as your biggest competitors right now?
1: Oh, uh, so when I least like uh, when I passed all this, you know, TVL, you know, our TVL growth. So I think the ones that we have uh, Arbitrum with the bigger TVL, and this is the, like right now their the largest TVL, DYDX, Optimism, BABA, uh, so Networks. So these are the layer twos that are also the rollups. Uh, so, but I, I mean, competitors. It could be in a different area, right? So competitor in TVL, competitor in the technology, competitor in ecosystem development, competitor in the value proposition. Like none of them, for example, has the value proposition that we do. And this is, I I haven't talked about that yet. So this is the DEC structure, the decentralized autonomous company structure. So inside METIS, we have embedded DAO structures, so companies and partners that come to us, they can form their own decentralized organizations in just a click of a button. So if you go to portal.metis.io, you can already create the decentralized company just in one click right now we even uh, supplemented it with the staking and mining to reward first adopters but our functionality will be growing so the reputation will be added as well so don't be surprised when uh, you for example you know certain projects on uh, metis will then will be collecting the, you know the reputation points and all their activities actually will be traceable as well there. So to identify, you know, good projects from the bad, well, how you position them. So people can be aware of, you know, any scam activity, In decentralized world, we need that. So we need that reputation. This is something that we're working on. And at the same time, in our decentralized autonomous company framework, we focus on conducting a business. So the companies actually, the DAOs, the decentralized organization, can onboard people, onboard employees, freelancers, can pay salaries as well, can run certain reports, do the tasks, and do that all suggest in a couple of clicks of the button on our layer too.
0: That's awesome. Well, obviously, you know, as investors or you know, we're going around different sites, you go to L2B, right? And you you see the list there. How does one think about maybe what you guys will execute the best on or what any of these layer twos will be best at, like where will everybody go or will be spread out based on geographic, maybe retail, institutional use, or how do you see it play out?
1: I can talk about me, just, you know, the others, I don't know as much for their goals. I know that the ones that probably with the richest ecosystem will win. I mean, there's no winning or losing here. We're all. Everyone's going to win. Yeah, like towards the common goal, anyways. Yes. So the, the power, I think the power of Emulator 2 is in their community. So like the, the projects, like with quality of the projects, of course, Total Value Locked is one of the KPIs. Also, the number of people, the number of users, number of wallets that are created. So this is the, uh, like one of the like the metrics. So who is going to win and where it's going to go? For example, Mitis, we focus in again, so we have the entire department focusing on the partnerships with a uh, few companies who by the way, don't even know that they are Web2 companies. When they we tell them, they're like, what is a Web2? What is a Web3? Right? So they don't know that, but we know Web2 companies is the ones that are not involved in the blockchain, and that we can actually uh, come onto the blockchain. So in our strategy, this is the major part that we would like to focus on, on bringing non-blockchain companies, you know, enterprises into the blockchain. And that's one of our you know, again, strategic development of the ecosystem. And uh, I believe this is you know, a good one. This is, brings us closer to the ultimate mass adoption goal. What type of marketing strategy
0: do you have to deploy to attract? those non-blockchain or Web2 companies?
1: Right now, we have a department that's working on uh, like leveraging of their internal contacts, like, like the warm introductions onto the big companies. And the, the big we're talking about, you know, the airlines, the uh, you know CRms these like the, the big 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 ones and uh, yeah so leverage the, these partnerships and start working with their blockchain or tech departments not of that all of them has blockchain departments to possible avenues exploring the possible avenues because it's not out of the box solution. We still need to find the touching points with them. And it's a lot of work that involved. So our strategy is individually, one by one. We meet in them, we talking to them, we see where their pain points are. And if we can resolve any of them, that would be you know, a go-to for us.
0: So where are you seeing maybe some of the initial use cases that might be coming from these companies? And mm-hmm. are they looking to do like a trial period?
1: So lots of the companies right now, so of course the NFTs are big right now in the space and uh, of course it's it's kind of an easy sell for them. So right now the companies are struggling how they would like to introduce this NFT. So whether it's some. Customer promotion, right, so marketing, or it could be something that they can introduce some, you know, digital identity or, you know, the certification that there are people using or the proof that people worked on some kind of projects and did some, you know, um, achievements you know, within the company and especially for those who are multi um, multinational companies. There are different ones, different subjects that we are touching on. And of course, the ones that already have, you know, some dabs or anything like that, that would be easy, you know, no-brainer integration. They just go and meet layer two and at fast it's cheap and be done with. But yes, others, it have, we have to work more to explore that. So we going to be having news pretty soon. So we will post it in our, you know, social media. So right now we are progressing through these partnerships and the, you know, studies and researches and meetings. Yeah, so we will have news pretty soon about what avenue we're going to be going first.
0: All right, well, let's go into like, so right now with NFTs, where are those being stored or what type of solution are you guys offering? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so right now, of course, the NFTs, as you know, as you know it, and this is the biggest probably misunderstanding for the wide world so the nfts are stored on the blockchain (laughs) Well, well they're not because the nfts themselves the pictures cannot be stored on the blockchain it's too expensive right now as we are developing a decentralized storage yes this is our of course our dream to finally provide for people so they are NFTs and pictures are actually stored on a blockchain and not on somebody else's, you know, site server. Though, of course, it is like we're still developing this technology and we still need time for it. It will be done. It will happen. It's just not right now. As right now, we operate and then we also build, the, for example, NFT minting on Metis Slayer 2. It costs about, I know, five dollars. And we also have, an, we will have an NFT bridge from layer two to layer one coming up in February, right? So that's that is something that's also big for us and that's why we will be able to leverage all the NFTs, all the certificates, everything that's created on mixed layer two onto Ethereum layer one. So it would exist there as well. So it would be propagated there. So an NFT has kind of like, it is own world. It's huge. It's big, and it's uh, fascinating. We certainly build the infrastructure for it, so it could be usable. But for us, you know, using the and the developing the decentralized storage, so it would be actually true NFTs that stored on blockchain. This is the biggest, you know, the largest task that we have for NFTs.
0: And for the listeners, when you say stored on the blockchain, how does that mm-hmm. work in concept? Like, where is it actually stored on?
1: Uh, yeah decentralized stores so if you know what IPFS is for example well it's it's very similar to IPFS right so it's it is stored within the the nodes that are located on the people's computers right so that's uh, that people will be sharing the space and they will be paid for that space. Right, But it will be securely stored there, so they have no, like, even though they share space on their computer, they don't have, have access to, you know, to delete or anything on tamper with it. Exactly, exactly the same as you would store, you know, transaction on a blockchain, but at the same time, you would store the image.
0: And for the users that would like to participate, I heard you guys are doing something with no code, smart contracts tool. Can you explain what that gives the user the ability to do?
1: So yes, if you go to polis.metis.io, so you get introduced into our Polis middleware. This is how our, for example, we just finished a hackathon where we had over 500 hackers and 84 projects that were built on Metis. So, what uh, developers done, they actually managed all the smart contract code via this io. And uh, if you go there, request the developer status, you will see the smart contract blades that are already there. So, this is our kind of way. So, everyone can share the templates and you can reuse the templates. You just can do the one click deployment of the smart contract using that tool.
0: That's interesting. What role does the token play in the ecosystem?
1: Token is uh, solely for paying the gas fees on METIS. This is the ecosystem. So we introduced the token as actually means to develop the ecosystem because it opens the door for the possibilities to attract uh, different partners. And right now, one of the programs that we are running, and that's going to be very uh, now widely used, uh, it's the Builder Mining. It means that projects, like if you deploy your app, like smart contract on Miti's network, you will receive a 30% kickback from the transaction fee. So usually the transaction fees that Miti's charges is going towards the development of the platform. And this is the business model of the Miti's network, but 30% of those get kicked back to the project so therefore projects receive additional revenue streams on MITIS. so it's a win-win situation for everyone so we envisioned this a program from the very beginning when we were creating you know METIS vision and this is our way you know to give back and for the developer community and for the projects and to develop the ecosystem so if you go to METIS.io slash edp you can actually apply to be part of this program. So now we have more and more participants of this program that get in 30% kickback.
0: What revenue does us bring in in order to be sustainable for the next 100 years and how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: Oh yes, imagine. So if we roll in hundreds of thousands transactions into one roll-up. So this is, of course, the scalability that we're looking for. So the revenue is uh, solely from um, Miti's gas fees, right? So the gas fees that are charged. We're already in the revenue stage right now. So we're bringing revenue since starting November 2021, right? So, and I remember that, like, you know, the first numbers were, oh my God, we just made our first hundred dollars. And then we made our first $1,000, right? So, yeah, <laughs> of, of course, now it's more and more and more. And we able to cover our operations even for that. But lots is uh, in the development still. And we need, of course, lots of funds that go towards, you know, all this, you know, Web2 partnerships, development of the no-go no development of the decentralized space, like all these things that we explore. And that is not developed anywhere yet. So they will all require funds and of course this 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 is what the funds are used for
0: i mean ultimately i guess we have so many assets or ownership verification nfts people gotta be wondering like what happens in 20 or 30 or 50 years right mm-hmm. if it's not sustainable
1: going to towards you know 20 30 whatever years we also have this decentralization roadmap right so where all the decisions and uh, all the governance will be uh, uploaded to the decentralized autonomous companies that built on METIS. So these companies actually will be ruling the further development of the platform in the different aspects and not the METIS team anymore. right? So right now, I even you know I ask the questions like, oh, so in what ways METIS is decentralized? METIS is decentralized as a platform already. But the decisions that are made about development, certain features, like where the revenue goes and so on, is still made with the METIS team, which makes it centralized. We have a decentralization roadmap where we decentralize METIS team to the way that we are you know, able to dissolve it and just hand on the, the governance to the decentralized autonomous companies that build on METIS. So And that's, that's the roadmap. But for us, it's very good to set the pace to set the kind of initial momentum and also the strategy on how it's all will be developed. So since we are now steadily bringing in revenue and it's increasing and it will be increasing as well following our roadmap. But yes, uh, so I'm I'm looking into the bright future of medias in that sense.
0: A lot of talk is always thrown around about decentralization, right? And what is enough decentralization? You know, what is your thoughts?
1: Uh, Enough decentralization. What is enough? It's, uh, for example, for me, decentralization. If somebody can come to me and then hold me at the gunpoint, uh, the meetings will still stand, right? So that's just enough for me. And sorry for my, you know, uh, police past. <laughs> that's, what, that's what probably you know. That's what like, in one of the trainings. That's what we're trained for. Because so we we don't have access to certain information. Not because they don't trust us, but because. Uh, we can do the harm if so, if you've been held on the, on the gunpoint, right? So yes, if you've been held on the gunpoint, your company is still good and survives. So that's, that's, the, that's the enough decentralization to me. I
0: like that. A lot of DeFi projects these days have been providing like unsustainable yield to attract users. What happens when the yield is reduced and the incentives go away? Do you think we're going to be able to keep these users on board?
1: Yes, the yield is just one of the kind of like I don't know, I consider it's kind of like a marketing tool to develop and certain, but yes, if you still bring value proposition other than yield, right? So still bring value proposition that people can do business on, you know, on a network, that would be, you know, just enough and can host, can stand without any yields and without any, you know, rewards or any other marketing tools or programs.
0: Is there any other plans to go multi-chain that are not EVM compatible?
1: Yes. <laughs> Our future, like we consider, of course, the future is a multi-chain. So it's like, yeah, we don't want to focus on any particular one. Right now, we, like we're like we focusing on Ethereum because this is kind of got the most advanced ecosystem right now. But MITIS now actually introduced, like the companies that came to me, just the third party companies, they introduced lots of bridges to other networks, so and they're growing the numbers, growing to different networks. Even I right now, I don't know, like I lost the count to which networks now METIS has bridges, um, right? So, and the, yes, the plan is to be uh, cross-chain, multi-chain, and to involve as many ecosystems into METIS as we can.
0: All right, and what else we have coming up maybe on the roadmap that you can disclose?
1: Oh, I think I disclosed everything. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I put everything, yes, the decentralized storage, probably the Miki's NFT bridge is the one that discloses Then going to be released. Decentralized storage is, of course, this is one of the major parts that has been under development. Of course, we have then one of the key pieces of being the you know, best roll-up in the industry. But this is, I mean, hard to measure how, what is the best. Also, as I said, we're focusing on uh, Web2 companies and bringing the you know major Web2 partners and start working with them and introducing it, introducing blockchain to the whole world. So that's something on our roadmap as well.
0: You guys are very aggressive and sound like you're going after a lot. Sounds good though. It's good. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're going making success in that too. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. You know, as a final question, obviously we have mostly a lot of investors listening. I mean, maybe what are some tips as they're looking at some projects of some things they should look at or use for underwriting?
1: Yes, watch out for the launchpad that comes. And uh, so we have different launchpads. One of that that's coming on a net swap launchpad soon. And I know we're going to bear market. I don't know how this all will you know roll up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we're going to the bull market. Okay, don't listen to me. Bull market, bull market. But yes, uh, so different companies coming into Metis, lots of them are bringing the opportunities for the investors and to invest into investing in projects. Uh, so these are the launchpads and the ones that I just told you launchpad on Netswap. There will be others as well.
0: That's awesome. Best way for listeners to get a hold of you, learn more about the project.
1: All right. So you can contact us on Twitter. Our Twitter is MeteosDao, M E T I S D A O. Uh, I can also get a hold of us on the contact at METIS.io email. You can also subscribe at our newsletter at METIS.io website. And you also have a METISDAO telegram group also, M-E-T-I-S-D-A-O. And this is a telegram as well. So just ping one of our admins and uh, yeah, you will get to us.
0: Evvina, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, John.